This is Eric Corey, and thank you for taking the time to listen to my podcast. Now, what you're about to hear is something you have not heard before. This is that different story that I promise. Now, my podcast, they take on social and political issues, but with a completely different approach. Always an effort to prove that we are anything but a divided nation. And while I'm not trying to change anyone's opinion, I am trying to present information that will get us all to think about things differently. My name is Eric Corey, and here is a different story on the subject of consensus. Now, like most people, I would love to be able to speak words that are so powerful and so convincing, so inarguable, that it would render any opposition useless. An argument so compelling that those with opposing views would suddenly change their mind and join my side. Well, we know that's just not going to happen. Even if I could float above the earth in a godlike fashion and speak words every human can hear, there would always be someone who would conjure up an argument to oppose anything that I said. You see, this search for a national consensus, it's a bit of a fool's errand. In a country so evenly divided, the only hope of a more sane future is to find something we can all agree on. That's the fool's errand I speak of. But if you're not convinced that there's nothing you can do, like me, then I have some good news for you. There are a lot more of us out there that agree with each other than you can imagine. Those things with which we all agree, well, they're far more numerous than issues that divide us. It's only because we expose ourselves to a nonstop informational news feed that pummel us with partisan viewpoints that it seems as though no one agrees with anyone on anything and that there's this great divide in our country. Well, the reality is just the opposite, as I will demonstrate in this podcast. There is a supermajority of Americans that share common beliefs, a common set of goals and aspirations, and a common desire to make things right in our time. The point I wish to convey is that the loud political voices that fill the airways, well, they represent only hard right or hard left opinion. There is very little discussion aimed at the middle majority because, well, it just doesn't sell. The train wreck that everyone tunes in to see are people arguing with everyone about everything with predictably contradictory reactions to every news item of the day. Reactions that are so predictable, a computer could just as easily deliver the statements for either side given the input of the news of the day. It's like this. Yeah, we know what you're going to say before you say it when I say this. And I'm going to respond in kind with this time-tested talking point that has been culled from the bowels of my political leanings. I've heard the same arguments time and time again, and man, I'm so over it. Yeah, sure, you're so committed to your cause, and you're so virtuous. Here, here's a medal. See, my quest is to render these predictable partisans irrelevant. Now, regardless of who's right or who's wrong, such a thing can even be established. Accepting that these entrenched partisans will never be swayed is a sign of a higher intelligence. Just know that your numbers will remain stagnant for the foreseeable future, and that trying to reason with them amounts to a complete waste of time. So let's let them have their vitriol and their hatred for the other side, and the rest of us will move on. Now, I want to start by counting these committed individuals who tell us so much of what we already know. You see, in reality, their numbers are surprisingly small compared to the noise that they make. In round numbers, what we will call the rigid right and rigid left combined represent only about 30 to 40 percent of the general public. Now, of course, these numbers are arguable, but they are on the high side of any legitimate estimate. 
and there are lots of legitimate estimates about political leanings. It's important to understand that this 30 to 40 percent of this high side estimate, well, they're evenly split on all the issues. You need look no further than the results of the last four presidential elections to support this claim, as they were almost exactly evenly split between Democrats and Republicans in the total number of votes cast. So what does this mean and why is it important? Well, what it means is that at best, each side that represents these rigid positions, well, they're only 20 percent each of the general public, which in turn means that at least 60 percent of the people in this country do not prescribe to these rigid political views. Again, 20% on the hard right, never to be swayed, and equally 20% on the hard left, also never to be swayed. Now remember, these are high side estimates, but the fact that these two groups individually, at best, are too small to justify the power that they wield, when, when in actuality, they can so easily be rendered irrelevant if the rest of us deem them so. We can see them as the insignificant minority that they truly are. Now, if you were to push these partisans to the side, you will find that the remaining 60% represent a supermajority that severely outnumbers the political profiteers of all stripes. If only half of the 60% can agree on something, they would still outnumber the best each side of these entrenched partisans could muster, rendering them irrelevant. See, those who would use the divide-and-conquer strategy to hold on to the power that they exert through government fiat or political news reporting, well, they will be left talking to themselves. While the majority, we find our legs, we take control. And this is control we've always had, but simply never realized. So, using these assumptions, which again, I feel are very accurate, there are about 60 to 70% of us that could form a majority of reasonable people who are open to discussion and compromise for the sake of unifying this seemingly ununified country. Well, these are the people you see every day at your grocery store or Little League practice or driving next to you on the roadways as we make our way to and from work every day. This is a powerful constituency that has the ability to coalesce under a single banner of making things right for the next generation. People who can come together and cast off these political divisions to unite in an effort to solve some of our nation's more pressing problems and to move the evolution of our country and humanity forward. In trying to find that common ground and, and to pitch that big tent that we can all comfortably gather under, I submit to you the words of the great fictional character Obi-Wan Kenobi. He said that the truths we cling to depend greatly on our own point of view. Now, I don't mean to trivialize this effort, but that quote is at the core of what must be understood before we can attempt to form this majority. So let me give you an example of what I'm talking about here. Now, I'm a small business owner in the private sector. My truth is that more government regulation and taxes is bad. Now, if I were a lifetime government employee, state, local, federal, it doesn't matter. My truth would be that higher taxes and larger government is good. Now, we are both right, of course, and our truths are both correct. So given this one example, you can better grasp the understanding that all of us must see that truth is not an absolute, but rather a matter of perspective. And understand that we all have a different perspective of the world around us, and it's based upon our personal agenda and our need to succeed given the specifics of our own personal existence. So... With all this information in hand, you know, where do we start? What is that one issue we can agree on? 
You know, this country seems so divided on everything these days, whether it's social injustice or gun violence or immigration or abortion or climate change. You know, they're all very important issues and very current. But if we hope to make progress in this coalescence of the supermajority, it's probably best to start somewhere else. So I would suggest something less subjective and, in my opinion, far more urgent than any of these hot-button wedge issues that we face today. And here's where, for some of you, this may become partisan, but since we need to start somewhere, here goes. I have personally been on this particular soapbox since 1986. I've written articles about it, I've made speeches, I've had a book published on the subject, and 30-plus years later, I'm still convinced it's the one thing on which we can all agree. We can all agree that borrowing $3 billion per day, 365 days a year for over 40 years, is a bad thing. That accumulating debt at a rate that is discussed in dollar figures that no one can even possibly comprehend is just silly. And that there are no ongoing discussions to resolve this matter is absolutely irresponsible. No matter what side of the political aisle you sit, these facts remain inarguable. And the amount of money that has been borrowed during this COVID-19 crisis to keep our nation from falling apart is four times larger than any single year of borrowing in the past. Nearly $4 trillion of borrowing in 2020 alone. A staggering amount of money. Again, no one, and I mean no one, can possibly comprehend. So the next time you hear a politician talking about another trillion-dollar government spending program will know that they are either oblivious to the financial facts that surround them and therefore stupid, or they know the truth and count on your ignorance, making them liars. Either way, their incompetence would be laughable if it weren't for the fact that they're serious. And we're not even talking about Social Security. Man, don't get me started on Social Security. Those numbers will terrify anyone who hopes to one day see any of the money they paid into this pyramid retirement plan. Now, I hesitate to move into the numbers on this issue, and I don't want to start to sound preachy, but I have to get into the weeds on this just a little to make the case as this being the most important problem this nation faces, and one I hope to use to create the unity that I seek. All right, here goes. Imagine you earn $100,000 per year. Now, that's more than most, but it's a nice round figure that we can easily follow. So on average, over the last 40 years, adjusting for inflation, you're earning $100,000 per year. But each and every year, you spend $130,000 to meet your ongoing financial obligations and your spending habits. Now, to make up for that difference, you borrow the additional $30,000 every year just to maintain your lifestyle. Now, you've been doing this for 40 of the last 42 years, and right now your personal debt is $1.2 million dollars. Now, you're able to maintain this practice because you pay the interest on this accumulating debt every year, but not a penny of the principal, and the bank, they just keep lending you the money. Now, because you're only going to make $100,000 per year, and you're going to keep spending $130,000 per year, you have no hope that this debt will ever go away. It will just keep rising until the day you die. Now, if that doesn't move you, take a moment to get your mind around this. When you die, that debt will remain and your children will be made liable to pay it off. Now let that sink in for a second. You spend a lifetime of frivolous spending and accumulating debt, and you leave it as a financial burden for your children to deal with. See, this is not fiction. This is an absolute reality. Because if you were to add six zeros to all the numbers I just gave you, 
well, you will be in the same predicament as the United States government is today. $30 trillion in debt and rising. $30 trillion in debt. I don't claim to know how all this is going to play out. I only know that I'll be dead when it happens, and someone else, my children and your children, and most likely their children, will be charged with solving this problem. This is not hyperbole. It's an absolute fact. The only question is how and when this reckoning will become page one news. And if you think this coronavirus thing is a national calamity, as it surely is, well, this will be far greater and far more difficult a dragon to slay. Now, if you're cool with all this, then just keep going about your daily lives and pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. But if not, I ask you to consider this as the one issue that we can rally around, that we can join together to establish the supermajority I speak of and use this to set the political world ablaze. Because here's the solution. Now, it's not my solution. It's a solution that was written into our Constitution, and it's the Big Ten I spoke of earlier, the one that I hope we can all gather under. I'll start by quoting James Madison in 1787. Quote, A complete disillusion of the House of Representatives on a single day as a cure for the diseases of faction. You see, our Constitution was written in such a way that every member of the U.S. House of Representatives, all 435 of them, well, they all come up for election on the first Tuesday of November every two years. And every two years, we are afforded the opportunity to implement this mechanism. See, I believe we can't tinker on the periphery of our national spending problem to solve it because the body politic would remain mostly intact. Only a complete flushing of this one government entity, the House of Representatives, the branch of government that is responsible for all spending, can this problem be solved. Now, again, this is not my solution, but it's the solution provided in our Constitution. The fallout and complete chaos that will surely ensue, well, that is the plan. We only need to agree to not vote for any incumbent member of the House of Representatives. And if you trust the genius of our founding that gave us this prosperity beyond belief, then you must trust the mechanism that they put in place to set it right and to let the political cards fall as they may, as our founders intended. Now I know what you're going to say. If you're a Democrat and the incumbent is a Democrat, there's no way you're going to vote for the Republican challenger. Well, that's okay. There will be a, a Green Party or a Socialist Party candidate that you can choose. Conversely, if you're a Republican and the incumbent is a Republican, you don't have to vote for the Democrat. There will be a Libertarian or a Constitutional Party candidate that you can also vote for. Just as long as it's not the incumbent. And even better yet, vote for someone who is not a member of one of the two major parties. That will really set the political world afire. I find it reasonable to believe that an overwhelming majority of Americans could agree to make solving this one problem a priority above all others, and that we, addressing this singular topic, using the tools at our disposal, will demonstrate to ourselves and the world that we can work together to solve a problem. And I'm equally convinced that once we show ourselves that it is possible to bring 60% of the country together to address a single issue, that later we will be better prepared to address the more subjective issues of the day. You see, it's one simple task, one simple vote placed against any incumbent member of the House of Representatives as a premise to establish the supermajority and in one night change all things political in this country. It really is that easy. This is Eric Corey, and I hope you just heard a different story. Thank you for listening.